welcome to the Whistleway Podcast. My name is Kyle Whistle, your host with EXP Realty in San Diego. You almost forget there for a second, huh? A second. You just paused. That's fine. Oh, I am hard Brian. Hard pause. Hard pause. Okay. I am Brian, coaching media marketing director with the Whistle Realty Group here in San Diego. All right. The goal of our show is to give you the tools, techniques, tactics that you need to go out there and crush it in your business, whether that be real estate, mortgage, or really just any business out there. The way that we like to do it is not to guess on what you want to hear about. We want to just answer the questions that you want to hear about. If you have questions you want to have answered, the best way to ask them is to go into our Facebook group, The Whistle Way, and ask those questions, and we will hit them here on the podcast. If you want to join that Facebook group, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, our podcast, or find out about upcoming events we have going on, like our Media Mayor Mastermind, which is an event that we go super deep into video. We take everything Brian and I have learned over the last five and a half years of creating video and condense that into a two-day event. And we're also doing some online versions of it as well. So if you want to find out about all of that amazing stuff, go to thewhistleway.com and uh, ask us some questions. We, we love questions. Yeah, so on there as well is you can subscribe to our YouTube channel or listen to our podcast, um, add yourself to our referral network, and there, not only can you join the Facebook group, but right on there, which you've been asking me for a while, there is a place where you can literally just ask a question, fill it out right there, which is where we got the question for today's episode. Beautiful. What is today's question? So today's question is from our buddy Walter, and I think it's Sisuvich. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, and he says, when building a team, how should you structure the commission splits based on what you provide? For example... If you pay for their leads and nurture them 50-50, if you just provide them the systems and training, but they provide the leads and, and nurture them 75-25, et cetera, how do you do it? So when we first brought this up, Kyle says, ah, I don't know if you want to say this, I don't care. He goes, I don't feel super comfortable saying what splits are because there's a billion things that go into it. Um, and which obviously I think everyone knows it's not just, oh, I do this one thing, so we charge this. Um, obviously there's a lot that goes into it. He wasn't super comfortable with this question, which made me really want to do it. Um, and I said, why don't we, instead of saying for, instead of saying for this split, you do this, why don't we talk about kind of the whole mindset of splits, how to kind of come up with your splits, that whole thing. Yeah. I think the reason that I don't like answering this question, um, cause when we do like our live masterminds and stuff, this gets asked every time this isn't, oh, well, if your splits are this, then I should do the same thing. Do you provide the same thing? Like, do you have the same amount of support staff? Do you have the same amount of systems and structure? Do you have all of that same stuff in place or not? Because you got to look at the total package, right? Just like when we go pitch ourselves to a seller, we're not all the same. There's a reason some companies charge, you know, 1% commission and some companies charge a two and some charge a three and some charge a 4% commission because they're offering different things. So I think before we dive into this conversation, you've got to, make sure that you're really looking at the package of value. Like what am I delivering to somebody? And then what am I expecting from them? Um, and I think far too often people don't do that. They just assume like there's this like number in everybody's head of 50, 50, like that maybe for whatever reason, things just get passed around like, Oh, well 50, 50, that's what the split should be when I provide a lead to an agent. Why? Well, because that's what so-and-so does. Who the fuck are they? Like, are they God? Like, did they just decide like, this is what it's always going to be? Does that mean 50 is right? Maybe, maybe it's wrong. Just because somebody else is doing something doesn't mean you need to do it. So I think that's where my level of discomfort is with this question is that people don't 
take the time to think about what am I giving somebody in exchange for what my expectation is from that person. So I think that's where the the uncomfortableness comes from. So we agree that the split should be in direct proportion to what you're offering them. Yes. Now is that, so for example, is it if, if you provide them $10,000 worth of services, is that a dollar for dollar? Is it a two to one? Is it a, I mean, how do you kind of break that out? And obviously it's going to be a, it, you can't do a direct comparison because it's $10,000 a year, but if they do one deal versus 19 deals. So let's first talk about kind of different ways to do splits. There's kind of a sliding scale where the some people do it, the more deals you do a year or the more the longer you're with a company or the nicer you are, the better splits you get. And then there's a, these are our splits. Yeah. Talk about the different ones and what, because we've done both. Yeah. Well, here's one thing I've learned. You've got to have a model and you've got to stick to your model. When you start having sweetheart deals with different people, like, well, you're on this, but then you're on that, but then they're on this. You are just setting yourself up for an implosion. Um, because what's going to end up happening is you have somebody who's been with you a long time that they're on some sweetheart deal, but then they, they start to get stagnant. They don't work as hard. They're not doing a lot of business. Then you got somebody new who comes in, who's working their tail off doing twice as much as that person who's been with you a long time. And that person who's been with you a long time has a sweetheart deal. And this new person has a shit deal. And they're like, well, so-and-so's getting that split. I want that because I'm doing twice as much business as they are. And now you start creating just all kinds of issues. So one thing I've, I used to do that, and, and this is how I've learned it, is because I ran into <laughs> these issues. You got to just stick to something, and that's the model. And if somebody doesn't fit the model, that's okay, right? It's okay. You've got to be okay with somebody making a decision to go somewhere else. Um, and so that, I think, is very important. Don't break your model for people. Um, if, if what you're providing, if the value is there, then the model's going to work. It's going to take care of people. So you got to build a model that does take care of people. Um, but what I want to talk about when we decide how we're going to do these splits is really just think about this funnel and a lead is either in the funnel. You're either putting it in the funnel for them or they're putting it in the funnel themselves. And then let's think about three different layers of this funnel. So we're looking at the top of the funnel, the middle of the funnel, the bottom of the funnel. And in my opinion, depending on where a lead is at within that funnel, I believe it's okay to have different splits because if I'm giving you a lead, let's just look Zillow. They're a good partner of ours and they give a variety of different lead types. Well, they could give me a lead that's a nurture lead. And so what that is, is that's somebody who signed up on Zillow's site, but either never replied to Zillow when Zillow reached out to them or specifically told Zillow, hey, I'm not ready to talk to an agent yet. That's a top of funnel lead. And when I say top of funnel, it means it's still got a ways to go to get out the bottom of the funnel, right? And eventually transact. And eventually, yeah. So once things come out the bottom of the funnel, that's a transaction that happens. So a nurture lead that's going to take some time. I mean, those leads a lot of times are 12 to 24 months out. Well, if I've got to work a lead for 12 to 24 months on average to have that turn into transaction, like that's a lot of work. So therefore my split should maybe be a little bit higher on something like that. But on the flip side, if I've got a lead that's bottom of the funnel, like Zillow, you, for example. When you say that my split should be higher, you as the agent. As the agent, yeah. Okay. So as as the agent, if I had to nurture, if I have to nurture these leads on average 12 to 24 months, I should probably earn a little bit more because I had to mm -hmm. put more work into it. Yep. On the flip side, with Zillow, you got a bottom of the funnel lead. They call them connections. 
And that's somebody who inquired on a property, Zillow engaged them in conversation. The person said, yeah, I want to go see that property, connect me with an agent. That's a bottom of funnel lead, right? They specifically said, connect me with an agent. I want to go see that house. Like <laughs> Typically tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, no, it's usually today. I just listened to two calls right before we came in here. Both of them, can we see it today? Like one said, I don't want to even talk to an agent. I'm not ready to talk to an agent. And one said, can I go see the house today? Right, these are two different types of leads. Well. That one lead is so much further down the funnel, the conversion rate on those things is five to 10%, depending on the team that you're talking to, versus the lead that's top of funnel that takes 18 or 12 to 24 months and has like a 1% conversion. So should we pay both of those the same? Probably not. And then the third is, is what about if we're integrating ISAs, which is something we've become a big fan of, is, what if, you know, on that particular lead, Zillow acted as the ISA and basically got a lead from the top of funnel, pushed it through the ISA department, which is the middle of the funnel, pushed it to the bottom of the funnel. So whether Zillow's acting as your ISA like they do on those connection calls, or maybe you're getting a realtor.com leads. And so the lead comes in as a top of funnel lead, then an ISA nurtures that lead, gets the lead to the point where they say, hey, I'm ready to go see a house. I'm ready to sit down with an agent. And now an ISA connects you with that lead that's a different type of lead than the one that said, I don't want to talk to an agent. I'm not ready yet. Um, and so other top of funnel leads are going to be things like Facebook, right? Like those people didn't even look at homes. Like they were just checking out their friends' pictures about the protest over the weekend or whatever. And, oh, hey, that's a cool looking house. And they clicked. Like there was not a lot of intent there or even pay-per-click leads, right? Like there's still not a ton of intent there. They're still top of funnel. So I think as you're structuring your splits, you got to think about the different parts of the funnel and where are you giving those leads over to the agent. And I think you should have varied splits based upon that. And then the other one you got to take into account is the lead that you never even put in the funnel for them, the lead that they put in the funnel themselves, right? Do we, or do we even look at that as two separate funnels? Like they've got their self-generated funnel and they've got their team-generated funnel. Um, so I think you really need to have different splits for each of those. And what I found is there's... Um, a lot of agents that have no problem taking a lower split if they can get nothing but bottom of the funnel leads. Because most agents don't want to follow up with leads that convert at 1% or less, which Facebook leads convert at a fraction of a percent. Most agents don't want to deal with that. So if you can do all the work for them and take them from a 1% or less conversion, work them down the funnel, and then hand them off to an agent when they get to the bottom of the funnel, I'll personally, I mean, I work with sites like HomeLight and Fast Expert and some of these others where they've already nurtured the lead and then they hand it to me. I have no problem giving them a cut because I didn't have to do 12 to 24 months of follow-up to get them there. So if you just wanna like summarize that, cause this is what I do with Brian, is I would say you need to have at least three tiers. You should have a tier for self-generated. You should have a tier for just broker-generated and then something where you're handing them an appointment. I think those are, you should at least have three different tiers on those. Cool. And handing them appointment can look like anything from ISA to maybe you're handling the sale, they're handing, handling the buy, anything like that. Yeah. So you have some of those too, where um, like I personally don't work with buyers unless they're friends. So there might be a situation where a seller calls in um, and wants to sell. They also want to buy a place. I'm not going to be the best buyer's agent for them. Any given day, I have eight to 10 appointments. Um, and meetings and Zooms and podcasts and everything in my calendar. Like I'm a terrible buyer's agent. So in that scenario, I'll grab an agent who's been doing work, putting in, you know, putting the time in and say, hey, come with me on this appointment. I'm gonna sell their place and you're gonna go help them find a new one. 
right? Like that's a bottom of funnel lead. That that might even be like that's already a signed lead. Yeah, like, that's even they they literally have to sell or have to buy. Yeah, if, if you help them sell. <laughs> yeah, so I think as you you're structuring your splits, I think that you should look at all of those things um, and figure out what you want to do. And then the, the the last thing is we did decide to put a cap in place for our agents when they self-generate business. What I found over the years is that when agents first join you, um, and if you're not watching this, you won't get these hand signals, but just think about a teeter-totter, um, and you can always watch the show on YouTube. Um, think about a teeter-totter is when people first come in, in the beginning, they're doing a lot of deals from your leads because they don't know what they're doing. They don't have a lot of sphere or anything yet. And over time, they start doing less deals from your leads and more self-generated business. Well, the problem is, as they get better, they start doing more self-generated business, and they're like, well, I don't need you because I'm doing all this on my own. I'm gonna leave you. So- Well, and as a, a team leader, you're not providing the same value, right? You, they don't need your leads providing anymore. providing the same value. They just don't need as much well, of I it. Mean, not a, if they turn themselves off of lead flow or anything like that, they're they're also costing you less money. Yeah. You're not giving them hundreds of dollars of leads every day yeah. because they're they're working their own sphere. Yeah. Um, and so we decided to put a cap in place because what happened is what I was having happen is agents would start getting really good and they would start converting all their friends and their family members and their mom, their dad, their brother, their sister, aunt, uncle, and, and everybody else they know. And they were like, well, I don't. I, mean, I know I'm still converting a few of your deals here and there, but I don't want to have to keep paying you forever when I'm doing all the work. And so they would leave. And so we decided to put a cap in place on self-generated deals because the reason I don't want them to leave. These guys are such good converters, even though they might not take as many leads as other people. When they do take leads, they convert them at an amazingly high rate. I don't want to lose them. So we put a cap in place on self-generated deals to once they hit a certain number, then they're capped out on those, but they're still we're still getting our normal split off the stuff that uh, the team is generating for them. All right, I know we're probably, well, I don't know, because I can't see the timer, but I'm assuming we're running low on time. I want to do some fast math though, because I'm, I'm, I need that. So say you provide them $50,000 worth of value a year. How do you kind of, do you want to make sure you make that same dollar amount less, more? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation to get into tracking, um, you know, your different agents and figuring out how many leads did you provide them? What did you spend on them? Um, like we use CSU, which tracks a lot of this stuff. So we could see how many leads do we send somebody? We know what our average cost per lead is. We know how many closings they had. So we could figure out what was our cost per closing with that particular agent, figure out how many closings they had to figure out if this is a profitable thing. Um, so if you're not tracking stuff like that, like if you don't know your cost per closing, your return on investment, any of that stuff, um, you really got to step it up. We love CSU for that. It's it's a game changer. What's the changer. website for that? Uh, CSU.kylewhistle.com. S-I-S-U. Um, S-I-S-U, CSU. Uh, but it does cost some money. If, if that doesn't fit your budget, there's another one called CTE. Um, the letter C is in Charlie, T is in Tom, E is in Edgar. CTE is much more affordable, not as user-friendly or customizable, but that works. Or just use a Google Sheet. Use paper. I don't care. Just track. Like know what know your numbers, uh, because you, you got to be able to see. Like you might have agents that are really 
doing bad when it comes to their return on investment for you or their conversion rates. And you should know this stuff. So track your business, know your numbers and, and maybe your model screwed up. Maybe you're paying too much and, and you've noticed I haven't given you guys any hard numbers. I'm just giving you some framework. You got to go in, you got to know your numbers because my cost per lead in California in San Diego is totally different than my friends that are in upstate New York, right? And their conversion rate is also very different, right? That their cost per lead is much lower and their conversion rate is much higher. Um, so I can't tell you what's going to work in your market. You got to look at your numbers, but the bottom line is you should have tiered splits, I think, based on the type of lead that you're providing. And we have a cap in place on self-generated deals. Um, you don't have to do that, but I've just found that that allows me to retain very talented people on my team. Um, and they don't leave, but they still are assassins when they do take my leads and they convert them at a higher rate than anybody. Cool. <sighs> All right. So hopefully you guys got some value from that. The way we like to finish the show up is to talk about our widget of the week. Uh, and the goal with these whistle widgets of the week is we want to share things that we're utilizing in our business that either save us time, make us more money, or just help us have more fun. What do you got today, Brian? So today my widget is a camera gear oriented piece. Um, this is the question we probably get asked after what camera to use. Probably most often when people see our Everything East County videos. Um, and it is this small battery powered spinning plate. Uh, what we do is we put the food on here, we have it spin. I like it a lot and I think this one cost us 20 to 30 bucks. We did get another one with a cord, I don't like that one as much. It does handle heavier weight and it's great to have as a backup in case these batteries die. Um, but I like this one more because there's no cord, there's nothing, you don't have to be limited to where you're plugged in. Um, but yeah, it's like 30 bucks. You put it on the plate. It's got a low speed and a high, you put the plate on it. You have a low speed and a high speed. I like to film the food spinning on it for at least a minute. Um, so that way we can speed it up, slow it down, reverse it and kind of, uh, no, that's, it's not a Missy Elliott quote. I knew that was coming. Um, so yeah, we go with that. So that's my widget of the week. Uh, we'll put the link in the comments. It's, I, I always just Google or I go on Amazon and search motorized lazy Susan. And I, I find it, it has a little airplane on uh, the box. All right. Uh, the one that I'm going to share today, we've essentially gone this direction with our offices now. And if you run an office, I would strongly encourage you to do the same. What we used to do in our offices have a bunch of workstations all over the office with desktops, monitors, the whole nine. What I found over time was that the agents would just destroy these computers. They would install all kinds of weird stuff. The desktop would have like 6,000 files on it. Everybody was changing the settings, changing the logins. Like it was a hot mess. Um, it doesn't help that you buy like $28 computers. Hey, <laughs> they were a hundred. Okay. There it, there they it is. They were a hundred. Um, <laughs> so what we've started doing in our office is we're utilizing docking stations now. Um, the particular one that I just got like two weeks ago, I got this thing for 10 bucks on Amazon. Uh, I think normal price is 20 bucks. The company is Vava, V-A-V-A, -A, um, and it's a USB-C docking station. So I, I run a MacBook. But the cool thing is with these docking stations is that it doesn't matter if somebody's running um, Mac or PC. When somebody comes into the office, the monitor, the keyboard, the mouse are all there. When somebody comes in, all they have to do is plug a single cable in to their computer and their uh, are into their laptop. Their laptop now projects up onto the screen and they've got a full-size keyboard, they got a full-size mouse, and we're running these 34-inch monitors, which essentially act like a dual monitor. 
Um, so it makes it very, very easy now. As my agents come and plug in, they're plugging their laptop in. They know exactly where everything is. If they download any weird stuff, it's downloaded on their computer. Um, the printer settings are exactly how they want them. Everything on these computers is their computer. It's, it's the computer they use every day. So it, it significantly increases their efficiency, especially because now they're not sitting on a laptop where they have to look down um, you know, at a screen and by the time the day's done, they have a, a stiff neck and a headache from looking down at their little laptop on the tiny keyboard and their fingers sore from moving all over the trackpad. They've actually been using a full-size keyboard, a full-size mouse, a giant screen. Um, so it massively increases their efficiency and it decreases the amount of headaches that we have because they're using their device. We don't have to help them install different programs or do anything because it's their device. We still do sometimes. You got to help them get their printer set <laughs> The up. printer, yeah. I love Mac, but setting printers up on Mac is a pain in the ass. But outside of that, I love it. So VAVA, Vava, uh, it's a USB docking station. Um, we also have some other ones made by Pluggable. Um, these things are super inexpensive. And also as a business owner, it saves you money because you don't have to buy all these desktops. And then you don't have to spend money to fix them after that the agent's saved breaking. you $90. That's great. Yeah, this thing is beautiful. <laughs> so hopefully you guys got a lot of value out of the show today. Again, if you want to stay connected with us, go to thewhistleway.com. You can join our Facebook group, subscribe to our podcast, our YouTube channel, find out about upcoming events, join our referral network, ask questions you want to have here on the show. Hopefully you got value. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you next week.